How you think affects your relationships. How you think affects your expectations. How you think affects almost everything in your life. And just like the children of Israel sometimes, it does not matter how strong the promises of God are for you. Your thinking can make the efficacy of the power of the word of God secondary in your life. Somebody called it the grasshopper complex. And the word grasshopper complex might be cheesy or lame, if not that it was real or it's true. For, is, I won't, let, let, me, let me describe something to you. Let me... If you look at what a grasshopper is, and by this scripture when they say grasshoppers, they were actually talking about locusts because that was what they were familiar with at that time. They were not familiar with grasshoppers. But you know, uh, uh, in, in biological terms, the locusts are just a subgroup of grasshoppers. So they were talking about uh, uh, locusts here. And if you look at the history of the children of Israel with locusts, you will, know, you will see two things there, two things. And that's why this was what came into their mind because that's how they taught. The first thing is that the grasshoppers are identified with plagues and pestilence. So whenever you think of a grasshopper, it's something that is despised. It's something that is, uh, that is not liked. It's something that is not wanted. It's something that people uh, uh, repulse because it does more damage than good. All right? The second thing about the grasshopper is that the grasshopper in those days, and even in some cultures, up to, up to about now, grasshoppers are delicacies. Am I correct? Pastor Charles, I thought you were my friend. <laughs> grasshoppers are delicacies. And I'll give you an example. You remember John the Baptist? You remember? What did the Bible say about John the Baptist? His food was locusts and wild honey. Delicacies. In other words, when these people say we are like grasshoppers to them, and that's how they see us. All they are seeing and all they are seeing is that these guys will just eat us up for lunch. We have no chance at all. But you see, the, the idea here, and you see, that's what grace is all about. It is not really about you. It's not about your ability. It's not about, you know, your, 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 your qualifications. It's just about what God wants to do. Amen. But for us, many times, those are the children of Israel, many times, our thoughts become an obstruction to what God intends to do in our lives. How we think becomes the obstruction to God having a free course or having a free way in our lives. How do you think? How do you think? How do you think? Because from Matthew 9, I remember the story of a man. And here's what the man said, Matthew 9. I am a soldier. And I have authority 
I say to one, go, he goes. I say to another, come, he comes. So all you need to do is speak the word only and my servant shall be made whole. How was that guy thinking? He was thinking like a soldier. And he was interpreting. You see, the way you think always helps you to interpret spiritual things. And so, how was he interpreting the authority of Jesus? He was interpreting the authority of Jesus from a military concept or a military mindset. Just as in the, soul, in, in, in the military, I would say, go, and he has no choice but to go. In the same way, you, Jesus Christ, you will say, go to this sickness, and it will go. Whatever you say something to, you will say, what affected that man? What was it that made that man different from the children of Israel? The way he thought. He thought differently. That's why the book of Proverbs. Go with me to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, 23. Book of Proverbs, 23. Proverbs 23. Are we there? The seven. Remember I said again, how you think affects your belief. How you think even affects your thoughts. How you think affects what you know. Are we there? Yes. Proverbs 23. The first part. You see, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. The thing about this scripture is this, is that we read it right, and most of the times, we interpret it wrong. And here's what I mean. Look at what he said. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. But a lot of times when we want to explain it, when we want to, when we want to, uh, 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 when we want to tell somebody about it, we want to teach it, what we say indirectly is that we take the word as away and put what there. I lost you. Notice it didn't say what a man thinks, so is he. What a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He says as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What is the import of this scripture? What is the import of that as and what? Simple. What you think is important. But the way you think what you think is much more important. Yes. What you think is important. But how you think, what you think, the way you think what you think is important. Am I making sense? I don't think so. Why is it so important? Why is it what you think? Or, I mean, why is it how you think? Why is how you think so important? How you think is so important 
Because the way you think deals with certain structures and cultures and systems that have already been based in your heart. So here's what I'm saying now. If because of your experiences, the things you have gone through, you always think like a poor person. Are you getting me? It does not matter how many messages of prosperity you hear. It's still going to be filtered through. That structure of poverty that's inside you. If you're a woman and you never see yourself as a beloved of God, God has created you. He has fearfully and wonderfully made you. You have believed the lie that has been told to you from the when you were born. That you are the ugliest creature that God has ever created. Every time you see somebody, a man that comes to you, you always go for the one that is not good. You know why? Because there's a filter right there inside you. It does not matter how much God talks to you. Just like the children of Israel. It's going to be filtered through that structure, that system that's inside of you already. And that's why you're wondering, you're wondering, why is this person doing this? Why are they going through this? It's because they have not taken time to understand how they think. Get rid of how they think. And begin to get what I call the God complex instead of the grasshopper complex. You see, when you got born again, everything about you was right. Your spirit was, in fact, the Bible talks about your spirit. He said, say, say we should be renewed. You know, if you're renewed according to our spirit, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. There's a righteousness and true holiness of God that's inside your spirit. But there are structures of operations that are still present in you, and they deal with how you think. Look, let me, I'll read something. Let me, you don't have to open to that, but let me, can you, t- can you turn on to uh, 1 Corinthians 10? Let me show you one thing. 1 Corinthians 10 from verse 1. Can we get that? 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1. Okay. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware of all the fathers, uh, of all our fathers. No, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. Go ahead. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Let's go. All ate the spiritual food. Go ahead. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Go ahead. Let's read one more. One more. Five. One more. But with most of them, God was not pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, what is that telling you? They have had experiences with God. God gave them spiritual food. I mean, there was no any other miracle as great as you not doing anything, and then you wake up in the morning, you have your food. In the evening before you go to bed, you have your food. All right? You were baptized. You saw how Moses struck the rock and how that miracle happened. And you'll be wondering, how is it possible that after these people have seen all these things that God has done, 
they did not just touch it. They did not just hear about it. They experienced it. How is it that with all these experiences, only for them to go and find it, land that God has already promised them. And then they could still not comprehend. They could still not associate. They could still not relate that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did yesterday, he can do today again. He has saved us from the Egyptians. What army can be greater than the Egyptian army in those days? And yet God delivered them. But when it still came for time for them to walk in the reality of the word of God, it was still a difficulty because there was a blockade between what God has said and what their thoughts of themselves were. That's why the same Peter said, let me still go about this structure so that, you know, we'll quickly dismantle it before I take my seat. Let me read 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, and I'll show you something before I take my seat finally. So that we'll all bring it together and then. 2 Corinthians 10, from verse 4. Second Corinthians 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Go ahead. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Do you note something. He's talking to Christians here. You know that? Am I correct? Yes. Okay, he was, it was a Corinthian letter. He was writing a letter to the Corinthian church. Bringing every thought in, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And then one more, verse 6. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, look at what he said. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every thought that has exalted himself against the knowledge of God. What is that telling you? It is telling you that there are certain things, there are certain things, especially in our imagination, there are certain things in the way we think that when the rubber meets the road, they exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. In other words, they come first before the word of God comes. In other words, those will be your first consideration before you think of the word of God. He said they exalt themselves. So they don't give room for the word of God to express themselves. And you're wondering, how is that? Yes, the Bible says, it said the word, of, the word that we spoke did not profit them. Because they did not mix it with faith. So what is this scripture telling us? It's telling us that there are certain things, there are certain structures that are there, that are present you know, in us. And that's what also uh, uh, Paul was saying. He said, oh, wretched man, who is going to save me from this body of sin? Why? Because the good I want to do, I can't do them. The evil that I don't want to do is what I end up doing. Why? Because there are certain structures in me. Right inside me, in my conscience, there's a purity of God in my conscience, in my spirit. There's something about God that I know how to do and I should do. There's something that has touched me. However, when it comes to interpreting these things that I want to do, I find it difficult because there's a contention. Yes. There's a contention. There's a fight. There's a fight. There's a contention. 
There's something contending. There's something going against me. And the truth is, whatever dominates the way you think, whatever dominates your thought, your mind, whatever dominates it, always gets precedence. That's why the Bible tells you, you should be spiritually minded. So that when your mind is full of the Spirit of God, guess what? The first thing you are prone to, the first thing, the, your first option will always be the Word of God. So he said, there's, he said, for wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And he says, the weapon of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are mighty through God. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are these strongholds? In other words, it's a casting down imagination. If you look at that word, you can read it this way. The weapon of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. That is, you can, that semicolon, you can put that is there. In other words, there's a relationship between verse 4 and 5. All right? And in English, sometimes, if you, want to, if you don't want to put semicolon, you can put that is to show you the proper relationship. In other words, those strongholds, the strongholds that he's talking about, you can read it. He said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. That is casting down. You know, the weapons of a warfare are supposed to be used to cast down imaginations and every thought that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, those things that when God wants to appear, they just stand up and they just rise. They rise above it. They rise above it. And then the word of God becomes dwarfed in you. Because those things are patterns and thoughts that you need to deal with. The patterns and the thoughts that we need to deal with so that God can have, his, can have access. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You see that again? Ways and thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. For as the heavens higher. So are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you want to get connected to God's thoughts, I mean God's ways of doing things? Do you want to, you, you want to connect that which is already deposited in your spirit man? The possibilities that have been deposited in your spirit man. You want to connect with it and make it a reality in your life. You have to change your thoughts because it says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your ways. So it tells you ways and thoughts are interrelated. How you think is interrelated with what you end up doing. How you think is interrelated with what you end up doing. How you think is interrelated with what you'll end up doing. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. What am I telling you this afternoon? I'm saying... That our thoughts will always, always either cooperate with God and get his ways across to you 
or there will always be a blockade. My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher, so are my ways higher than your ways. Let me, before I, before I, before I, um, I want, I'll give us an assignment before we leave, but let me, let, let me break it down. Let me, let me break it down because sometimes these kind of things might be uh, kind of too complex or too spiritual. Let me break it down with something very, to show you how, how these things work. Now, one of my sons, you know, when he was in elementary school, was, uh, I thought he was going to be very good in math. Because he had this complex mindset that he could work, you know, at those times when it comes to uh, numbers, he could work complex uh, fractions and multiplications and all of that in his brain. You know, complex di- divisions and all of that. He, he could work them in his brain. I mean, you are, you are still thinking of how he's going he's, he's out with the answers. You could give him, you know, this fraction, multiplied by this fraction, divided by this fraction, and before you know it, he's there with the answers. And so I thought that, oh, this one, this one is, is a good mathematician. You know how we do that? We, we try and label our people before, because those are the things that we want. So I'd label him that this one is my mathematician. But when he started doing algebra, he started having problems. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? This guy understands all these numbers, all these things. Those ones were not problems for him. Why is algebra now a problem to him? Why? And every time, you know, we're there, we're struggling with the algebra. I'm trying to put him through, trying to get him, you know. And this thing, I'm looking at it, it's so easy, it's so simple. And he's telling me it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make no sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And I'm struggling, trying to get him, you know, to understand the, 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 the complexities of that. And one day I asked him, I said, tell me what, so he told me, one day I was showing him something, and he said, um, he said, it makes no sense. And I told him, show me what does not make sense there. How does it not make sense? And when he gave me his answers, I immediately knew where the problem was. You know the problem? The problem was that when you start dealing in algebra, you need to take your thought level away from mathematics, arithmetic, to algebra. Okay, I think I'm talking over some people said now because we're not. <laughs> arithmetic is just addition of numbers, right? Arithmetic is just, you know, it's just numbers. It has to do with numbers. It's numerals, numeric, you know, numerals. You just, you just add, divide, subtract, and all of that. That's what it is, all right? Now, but algebra has to do with structures. Algebra has nothing to do with numbers, really. You use numbers, but in the real sense, the main idea behind algebra is just structures. How this, if you arrange this and this, they must be equal. You must find equality, you must find equation and all of that. So it has to deal with structures. All right? So he was thinking in numeric terms to deal with structural terms or structural problems. Am I making sense? I'm, I'm sorry, that's, 
I'm sorry, that's my, that's my, uh, that's my default area. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, I don't know what example it is to give you. I'm sorry. I just wanted, I just wanted to, I wanted, I'll try and make it make sense. All right. So, just for the purposes of this thing, what he was doing was that he was thinking arithmetically when he should be thinking algebraically. And so every time he thinks of an algebraic problem with an arithmetic mindset, it makes no sense to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the same way, that's where we treat the word of God. Or that's where we think the things of God. There are certain structures in us, in other words, that when we want to interpret the word of God, we interpret it through that funnel, through that spectacle, through those glasses. And that's why Paul was telling us. I remember the Romans, the road those who were Christians, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because if you are conformed to this world, you will use that conformity to interpret the word of God. And it's not going to work. And that's why no matter what they preach, no matter how we preach, about giving and how it is good. It's a thing of worship. It, it doesn't make any sense to you. Because from where you are interpreting it, it's quite different. Or they tell you, God can heal you. God, I mean, God is able. God has already healed you. He took your sins in his own body on the tree. That you've been dead to sin. Might be, dead, might, uh, might, be, might be alive to righteousness. And with his stripes, you have been healed. And then you hear that over and over and over and over and over. And it still does not make sense to you. Because what you are thinking from, how you are thinking, automatically makes that thing senseless. So what am I telling you this morning? I'm saying you need to be able to answer the question in every area of your life, in every department. How am I thinking? How am I thinking? How am I thinking? <laughs> How am I thinking? Because that will go a long way to affect the results that you are going to get, even with the things of God. If you're a child of God and you don't think like a child of God, you probably will not get the results you are going to, you're supposed to get. In closing, I told you it's going to be very short. In closing, how do we get rid of these structures that are there? And they are very simple, very simple, very, very simple. How do we get rid of, this, of these structures so that we can move from our own ways and get interacted and get interconnected with the ways of God so that the ways of God can be our ways. And like Moses, it can be said of us that God showed his ways to Larry but his acts to others.
You know what the Bible says? It says God shows his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. And you know the thing about the person that knows the ways, the ways of God? Do you know, do, do you know one thing, the major thing that happens to those kind of people? If you know the way of God, right, you will do the acts of God. Yes. If you know the ways of God, you will do the acts of God. Yes. If you know the ways of God, you will do the acts of God. So how do we, how do we get ourselves to this point where all these structures is, is, is nothing, it's nothing new, it's nothing uh, distant, but the Bible says we should learn uh, to go over his word again all over us, all, all over, all over, and all over again. So, and, you know, when you're trying to take these structures out, out, you know, uh, you're thinking of, you know, how will the ways... That's, uh, sorry, how will the way I think change and conform to the things of God? Now, number one of those ways is that you have to take note of the source of your information. You have to take note of the source of your information. Your information source is very important. All right? Job said, he said, he said, let me, let me read that Job. I, I like that thing. Let me not just quote it. Let me read Job, and then we'll go from there. Job, uh, Job 22, verse 12. Job 22, 12. Okay. No, I think. No, sorry. 23, verse 12. Job 23, verse 12. 23, verse 12. Job 23, verse 12. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the word of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have treasured the word of his mouth more than my necessary food. Your source of information should be primarily the word of God. And it's not just going there for this thing. You have to go there with a sense that it is more important than your necessary food. You have to take that word of God that it is more important it is the most necessary thing in your life. It is the most important thing in your life. Because, you see, the thing about, you see, the, 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 thing about the Word of God is the Word of God actually, in the, in, in, in one of the main things that the Word of God is supposed to do for us is this, is that the Word of God is to help you make your mind and make your thoughts conform to the ways of God so that there will be a harmony between what God has already done in your spirit and what is resident in your mind. He wants to bring that harmony, and it's going to be the Word of God. So your source of information is very important, and the primary source of information is supposed to be the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God. You cannot do without the Word of God. If you do without the Word of God, you are going to starve spiritually to death. Amen. You cannot do. That is your primary source of information. Now, uh, number two, your relationships. The Bible talks, the Bible tells us, it says, iron sharpens iron. All right? So your source of, you know, your relationships are very important. What they speak to you, what they tell you are very important. Because those people that are closest to us are the people that have the most influence in our lives. And many times we go around people who speak things that are not edifying to us. That's what the Bible says. It says, it says let your word come out with grace. Or let your word, it's a minister grace to them that will hear you. You have to be around people who will be able to minister grace to you. Completely changes the structure. Number three, number three, 
Number three, you have to do some thinking also. You have to do some thinking. To change the way you think, you have to think. Am I making sense? You said? Yeah, he just got the right word. You have to think to change. Because change actually comes from thinking, right? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you have to do some thinking. That's what the Bible says in, in Philippians 4. It says, whatsoever are true, whatsoever are pure, whatsoever things are noble, you see, think on these things. Preoccupy yourself with them. Because the, the truth is this. If you don't deliberately do some thinking, you will undeliberately, that's a word like that, do some thinking. And you know what that undeliberate thinking is called? Do you know what it's called? It's called worrying. Worrying is a form of thinking also. It's just that it's not positive. It's not edifying to God. If you don't deliberately take time to think the word of God that you have gotten, the information you have gotten from the word of God, you don't take time to think about it. Let it resonate. The Bible calls it meditation. You don't take time to meditate. You cannot change those structures or the way that you think. Yes. That's number three, right? Yes. Number four. You have to practice yes, sir. what you think, what you read, and what you do. It has to take a deliberate practice. The more you practice, the better you get at it. Right. The more you practice, the better you get at it. You keep doing it, and keep doing it, and keep doing it. The Bible says, the Bible says give. I keep giving, and keep giving, and keep giving until it becomes a part of me. The Bible says, I need to believe God for healing. I keep, heal, I keep believing and keep believing and keep believing and keep believing and keep standing on the word of God until it becomes a part of me. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. I keep loving those people that hate me. I keep loving those people that offended me. I keep doing it on a deliberate purpose. Keep deliberating. Keep doing it on a deliberate intention. And before you know it, I will start learning to love. I will start learning. It becomes a part of you. Some people call it, you say, you say fake it until you make it. So, <laughs> but you know what I mean? That's not, I'm not saying fake love. That's not what I'm saying. Or fake your giving. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Faith it until you make it. Okay. And then the last one, number five, the most important one. This is the most important one. The most important one, but it's very simple. Number five. Repeat number one, number two, number three, and number four over and over and over and over and over and over until it becomes a part of you. I said number five is what? Over and over and over and over until it becomes a part of you. And guess what? Before you know it, before you know it, before you know it, structures have been broken down. Amen. Structures that have been built over the years. They are, they are like ancient landmarks in us. They get broken down. They get broken down. And you begin to see God walk in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. God bless you.